0: You need to prioritize who over what, who being your personal passions, your strengths, what gets you out of bed in the morning. And part of that for most of us is serving others.
1: You're listening to the Christoph Lewis podcast, a podcast where I have conversations with inspirational people. My name is Chris, but my family calls me Christoph. My goal is to have as many conversations as possible with people who have forged their own path by pursuing their dreams, making them a reality, all the while emitting positivity and sharing this knowledge with others. I seek these people out and share this information with you, proving to the world that you can do what makes you happy and do what you want for a living while being a good human being. We'll talk about careers, but we'll also cover any story that inspires. Let's do this while helping each other. Thanks for listening. I'm happy you're here. What's up my friends, welcome to the Christoph Lewis podcast, Create Your Career. This is conversation number 157, total episodes number 270. I'm so excited that you're here. This is yet another incredible episode. My guest today is Matt Lewis and he spent 25 years in uniform as a lieutenant colonel, 20 years in the corporate world. He's an expert in transition for veterans and public service professionals. It's an incredible episode for many reasons, but for one of the reasons that I found especially unique Is that in recent events, even since I've gotten out of the military, which has been a year and a half, and there have been some things that are put into place that they have set into place to help the person transitioning. So what happens is there's a lot, there's 45,000 different organizations out there that are trying to do good to help the vet transfer. Now, the issue is, is information overload, obviously. So how do we hone that down and be able to help you? land on your feet when you get out. So this is just a touch of some of the many things that we talked about today, but it was phenomenal. He shared a lot of personal struggles and how he overcame them and so much more. So remember, you can find this episode and all other episodes on christophlewis.com forward slash podcast and on any podcast app and head over to YouTube and subscribe. You can watch all of the conversations, the ones with the guests and sharing the podcast with friends is equally as awesome. Heading over to iTunes and Apple and rating five stars. It's very helpful. So thank you so much. Without further ado, welcome to the Christoph Lewis podcast, create your career.
0: Hey, Christoph. Thanks so much for having me. Uh Really enjoyed your show, uh, especially liked uh, some some of your shows with Dakota Meyer, Tara Kyle, and a few others I've listened to. Uh, oh, thank very you. impressive.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's, a, it's an honor to have you on here. I always feel so privileged and grateful to have people on here that want to come on the show, that want to tell a little bit more about their story with the intentionality of helping others. And I just love that we have a platform to be able to do that. So thank you. And before we get into the rest of the episode, do you mind introducing yourself for some of us that may not know who you are?
0: Yeah, I'm glad to do it, and uh, I'm here to help. Um, folks can look me up on the web. We'll talk about that later and uh, lit- you know, look at the, the litany of titles and whatnot. But <laughs> at, at my core, let me touch on three main things I'm about these days. Uh, first, I'm a child of God who was put on this earth to help the human race address some of its most complex challenges. Secondly, I'm a loving father and husband who's constantly striving to enable the best for my family while living a life of significance in the service of others. And finally, um, I'm a traditionally published author who's passionate about significantly shrinking the ever-growing civil-military gap in the country today.
1: Mm. Yeah, I'd love to be able to get into some of those as well. And one of the things I love bringing into the podcast sometimes is family, the second thing that you touched on, because that's one thing that I've... uh, Struggled with between this transition out of my military, and then I've had two jobs post military already. And then I have a 14 month old, and trying to figure out how to live life like that. And I know you were telling me a little bit before the show that you've had a few transitions of yourself, and I'd love to talk about really just one of those. And since you focus down on transitions in general, how do you go about helping other people? And I know we could probably be here all night talking about that stuff. So, Uh, I believe that veterans can sell themselves short. People can sell themselves short in their transition. And frankly, I was scared about transitioning. So what would be your advice or what would you tell somebody that was very hesitant about switching careers and how maybe did you do that
0: for yourself? Well, I've literally written a book on it. uh, (laughs) Those that are so inclined, uh, check it out. It's called Mission Transition. Uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll defer to what everyone else is saying, but I personally believe it's uh, the, the best reference resource you can get your hands on to help guide you uh, through what, for all of us that have been through it as veterans, it's one of the most trying uh, transitions you'll go through. Uh, th- there will be various transitions. This one in particular coming from uh, the service into the real world is especially trying because you're going through a multitude cultural dimensional changes all simultaneously and I I break all that out in the book Uh, but to do that successfully requires a a sequence of activities that again I lay out in very much a field-like manual that much as we experienced the military crawl walk run step one two three uh, you would implicitly take to it uh, as a a field manual and, and as a guide. Uh, but a, a couple critical things and heading through that. A, a key is to a- avoid I- initial uh, failures. I mean, the, the whole point of the book here, well, I would highlight it. The main question the book is trying to address is how can veterans transition from the military and achieve their full potential by avoiding false starts and suboptimal career choices following mm-hmm. their time in the service? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I focus there because... Your story is no different than where most people end up. Uh, 50% of folks are not in their chosen career field, one that's Mm. right for them, Mm -hmm. until after their sixth post-military job. Oh, wow. Uh, They're they're changing many, many times. There's a number of reasons for that. Uh, The services themselves, and I'm not here to bash the services, but the fact of the matter is the transition support that they provide uh, Them is is insufficient for what's actually needed. Mm -hmm. And a a critical aspect of that is understanding who you are as an individual. I I say you need to prioritize who over what, who being uh, your personal passions, your strengths, what gets you out of bed in the morning. And part of that for most of us is serving others. And It's a great segue to mention another uh, book that I've been reading lately, Tom Rath's Life's Great Question. And a key point he makes that all of us as veterans completely understand is that uh, we find our uh, purpose primarily uh, being in service of others. Uh, It's a purpose that's core to who we are, certainly when we were in the military and just by the nature of who we are as humans and as former service members, it's what drives, tends to drive most of our passions when we get out of the service as well. Mm-hmm. But if you can connect that passion, that purpose with uh, some specific passions you have as an individual that make you unique in your personal value proposition in the real world and your chosen field, industry, organization, what have you, studies will show you will more than double your earnings over the course of your career, your satisfaction and, and rate of mm-hmm. retention it's incredibly uh, powerful differentiating factor. And, and it requires, you know, uh, <laughs> focus and study at a time in your military career when you're probably least willing to do it uh, before you you, know, you step off the, the base or the post where your, your last assignment is.
1: Yeah, Yeah, those are great things. I think I can definitely concur with finding purpose in helping others. I am a podcast host. I've been doing it for a while. I've had a lot of people on here, and I know it's one of the most profound, interesting journeys that I've ever experienced. And I started it while I was still active duty and through the two jobs that I've had now. So three different, completely different jobs, careers, I may even say, even though some of them were short-lived. But it's, uh, it's something that's really helped me, and I like that you threw that in there. I always want to highlight people that are helping other people. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think one of those reasons is what you just said about it helps give you purpose. It's something, honestly, that I'm still struggling with. Like I've had some serious conversations lately with people close to my life that even now, even after 260 plus episodes of pretty much revolving around purpose, you know, I'm still struggling with it. But I think what you've done is you've you're highlighting that. You know, that part is okay, but here's how you do it. So I would, first of all, encourage people to head over and check out the book because as you said, you literally wrote the book on it. So that'll be in the show notes for y'all to check out mission transition. You guys will be able to find that. I I think that's just wonderful. And I think what I, what's scary though, I don't know if it's scary, but you said people um, coming out of the military switch jobs about six times and
0: it's, is that like
1: lack of preparedness before they get out or what?
0: It, it's, uh, it's a multifactorial conundrum. It, sure. it's, in part, it's in part exactly that. Uh, it, it's in part not understanding what they're going to encounter when they get out. It's in part that those they run into in their field have no idea who they are, what they've done, or what they can do. You know, we, we talked before we, we started here, kind of my personal mission is focused on eliminating the civil-military divide in the country. So l- let's paint that picture a little bit, mm-hmm. to, uh, put some numbers around that. Uh, let's go back, and I'm old enough I can say it. Well, <laughs> as uh, simple as one generation ago, uh, the the what do you think the percentage was of people that had military experience that were running? You know, I'll call that the, the the chief executive suite. Mm. Uh, of the Fortune 1000 what percentage of them you think had military experience I'll peg it around 1980
1: oh boy it's going to be low I'm going to
0: say less than 1% maybe well, well, 1980, 1980 you think the, you know, Korea, World War II generation, these are the folks kind of in power. There was actually much higher, oh. something on the on the order of 35 to 40 percent. Well, I was completely off. So, <laughs> so, you know, think of the Vietnam generation coming out uh, as bad as they, you know, suffered societally with uh, what they'd experienced coming out. They at least had the benefit of a good portion of those running the organizations that had the jobs to which they had mm. spuckers understood who they were and what they could do. Now, fast forward today, and you have the inverse situation. You've got the sea of goodwill in the Mm -hmm. form of 45,000 plus veteran service organizations, a lot of good intent, a lot of goodwill, Uh, everyone poised to help veterans as as much as they can. But those uh, running the corporate world, that same uh, group of people, the percentage of them that have any military experience is two and a half percent. Oh, my gosh. Even if you expand that to include their boards, it's still less than 5%. So flip that around. Hmm. If you're at uh, a sufficient level coming out, interviewing with some senior people in the corporate world, you know, there's better than a 97% chance they have no idea who you are as a veteran, what you've done, and what you can do. And so, you know, again, that's my... Purpose as of late, we talked about career transitions. You know, in, in recent years, this has become my recent pivot or transition, mm-hmm. where I'm focusing my efforts. Uh, the, the book, as we mentioned, it, it addresses the, the military side, uh, but I have a, a second book I'm circulating for comment, uh, to which Harper Collins has also laid claim. It's focused on the civil side, mm. aimed at those executives to help educate them on who veterans are, where and how they can identify them how to recruit, interview, hire, train, retain this incredibly valuable talent pool.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it, it, there needs to be a meeting in the middle and uh, that, that that's what it's all about.
1: Yeah. I love that. And so that's circulating. So we can look forward to that in the future then. And I think that's uh, really well guided there. It's interesting to hear how drastic the numbers are from 35% to two and a half percent. And I think it kind of coincides with much of everything we've been talking about. But one of the things I felt as in myself and I kind of hinted to earlier was that I felt as if I was selling myself short. And it took a a lot of thought uh, within myself to be able to be even have the confidence to apply to some of the jobs that I was applying to and even study for those jobs. And that's a lot of what I want to articulate through this podcast. And I'm so glad that you're focusing down on right now.
0: That's right. And, you know, part of the reason why you may have been selling yourself short, we, we talked about, you know, before you got out, uh, the, the limited bandwidth you have, part of that is driven by the nature of the military itself. It, it's a mission-first organization, and you know, that's as it should be, right? Yeah. <laughs> as, as an American taxpayer, uh, you know, that's where I want the military to be focused. Uh, but the way that, call it the, the outgoing process from the services structured, you know, that mission first focus kind of gets in the way of you lining up what you, your next state's going to be. Mm-hmm. All that said that, you know, there have been improvements made in recent years in both in the TAP program, as well as things that support it, uh, called the SkillBridge bridge program, mm-hmm. internship opportunities, what have yeah. you, all of which I would encourage folks to take advantage of.
1: I, I just feel it's, it's really interesting. One of the things that was coming to my mind is like, we have 45k I think you said services that are geared towards helping vets and the numbers also dropped from 35 to two and a half like we said and it's just it seems like we're saturated in wanting to help the community yet there's a bigger issue here than we have seen in the past and to me I'm wondering like why is that there it's not a, a slight in any way to all the organizations that are geared towards helping veterans but you got to wonder why, how the num- the numbers are dropping so drastically, but there's more services and people out there helping. And do you have any idea why that might be the case and maybe how we can shift that?
0: Yeah, a couple of things. So I to the point of the value that vets are bringing, they bring an incredible amount of value. Uh, but again, I'll, I'll go back to the who before what. You know, if I listen to the what, uh, which takes the form of, you know, skills translators, and there's plenty out there. I'm an Army guy. When I came from the Army, I I was an an armor officer. I was a tanker. And so, you know, you stick uh, a tanker into uh, a skills translator, you know, I should either be a a cop, a truck driver, security guard, something of that ilk. Uh, you know, n- nothing like what I'm actually doing or have done in my career. To, to your to your second question around uh, the all of the VSOs out there, uh, I, I'm a huge advocate for, and this is kind of the third tranche of work where I'm, I'm devoting a lot of my time these days, huge advocate for what are called veteran collaboratives. Okay. So the, the difficulty with the 45,000, you know, sea of goodwill is that none of that so again, all while ha- having good intent, mm-hmm. is not coordinated and provided to you as the transitioning veteran a point in a point-time place that makes sense for you and, and adds the most value to you as someone coming out. Mm-hmm. What, what these collaboratives do is enable that. So uh, let, let me just talk through uh, yeah, sure. one example just to bring it to life. Uh, so I, you know, I, I sit here in greater Cincinnati And I sit on the board of uh, a local veterans collaborative called Tri-State Veterans Community Alliance, Uh, in the 16 county area that surrounds Cincinnati, southwestern Ohio, southeastern Indiana, northern Kentucky. There's no fewer than 2,500 of these 501 c T-3s, these veteran service organizations. If I'm a veteran coming back to Cincinnati, I'm not going to respond to 2,500 knocks on my door, nor am I going to go knock on 2,500 doors to get what I need. What I will do, same thing I did in the military when I transitioned base to base, post to post, you know, I checked into a one-stop, right? And I got what I needed via that one-stop, whether the need was healthcare, uh, housing, whatever it was. Well, these collaboratives act precisely as your one-stop. You check in and wherever these, these uh, collaboratives are located around the country You know, they'll take an inventory of what your needs are. Are they finance? Are they healthcare? Are they housing? Are they employment? You know, I could go down the list. Whatever those are, they will reach out to the representative subset of, Mm. in the case of Cincinnati, that 2,500, pull those services in, provide them to you at a point-time place that makes sense for you to enable you to get up to speed in your community that much more effectively and efficiently.
1: This is good. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm working with a nationwide network right now to, to scale this to appropriately enable what I call the warm handoff from the service uh, to local communities all around the country. Uh, I mean, it's my belief, it's not only belief, I just wrote a white paper on this, that the the, the gap that exists, the the absence of that warm handoff, drives a a lot of suicide ideation, frankly, Mm. especially in the post-9-11 veteran era. The, the the rates of, of suicide have more than doubled in recent years. It has. So it's growing at an alarming rate. And as I've proven in the white paper, a, a key contributing factor, correlating factor, scientifically proven, is this failure in transition. And so it's something we got to fix. And it's my belief that th- these collaboratives are key to enabling that fix.
1: I think that's, I mean, it's a great episode, but I think for uh, having items, things that we can actually apply and help that people don't know about that key right there, I think is going to be ideal for people that I'd want to pass on. And I want to highlight just out of this episode alone, that brings value to this episode, because (laughs) speaking as a former uh, service person, I had no idea that that was in existence. And I, 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 you know, and not even talking about anything that we're talking about, just in general information, it's information overload, All the time, so no matter what you're doing, so it's totally understandable that that would just you know get saturated into the veteran community, and even more so what we're talking about here, and that perfectly answers the question. Okay, there's so many people out there, 45k different services out there, but then you get out and you're like, looking which way? You're like, I don't know what to pick. You know, it's like you have 40 different ice cream flavors. I just want chocolate and vanilla and strawberry. You know, like that's what I want to pick from. So if somebody helps you and they help bring that together. I think having a collaborative, just like you said, is something that's very strategically powerful to help align the person coming out of the service and being able to feel a little bit more comfortable and aligned coming out of that. So I appreciate you bringing that up.
0: They're only a recent phenomenon, so uh, it's not surprising that you're unfamiliar with the term, but those coming out now should definitely seek them out. The other thing that's new, that folks coming out of the service should definitely take advantage, uh, It's run by the VA. It's called the ETS Sponsorship Program. It it attempts to mimic what existed in the Army in a sponsorship program to sponsor folks when they pcs from from post to post. So it's scaling that uh, military-wide and helping individuals leaving the service connect with members in their local community, wherever they're relocating to whatever geography to actually you know facilitate that warm handoff to so a collaborative or something approximating a collaborative in those areas so that's brand new it's in pilot mode right now and it, it, in my view it's one of the key missing links uh, to, to, enabling, you know, successfully plugging this gap.
1: That's so good. That's so good. Those two points are so good. And I, I, I just hope they keep that rolling because you got to think about like when you're saying when you're PCSing or something like that, and you have somebody like an onboarding buddy, if you will, to be able to help you get settled right. into wherever you're going. So it would only make sense like for your final PCS, like, Hey, yeah. let's have somebody there that just just went through. Like, I'll give you the example of me. When I got out of the service and I worked for a tech company, there was somebody who had gotten out of the Navy, surprisingly enough, just like me a year earlier. And he was he had gotten to the position a couple months earlier than me. And he was able to walk me through everything. I related it to him about most everything. And just having that background and the similarities helped me felt a lot more comfortable with my transition as awkward as it was for me. So to be able to uh, implement that in the civilian world, I think will be, I mean, between those two, like if you find out where to go and how to do it and then have somebody there to help hold your hand and not in a bad way, I don't mean, you know, like you need your hand held, but I mean, to have somebody supporting you, I think is gonna be really powerful and it's definitely gonna slash away a lot of the issues that we're seeing here and really just running around, frankly, with your head cut off and <laughs> not knowing what to do. So those are great things. I, I, you're right, because I mean, I got out in the August of 18. Yeah, so a year and a half, and I haven't heard of either of these things just in that time. That's pretty cool. And you know, it touches on something else that I think is, is really important too that we see a lot in the military, which is mentorship. And it just, to me, it's kind of like automatically giving somebody that mentor role. And then in turn, that person can turn around and I'm assuming can do the same for the next person and do it better because they've just lived it themselves.
0: That's right. Wow. And in this case, the, the, the cool. mentorship, uh, because it intervenes in that uh, you know, transition failure, I'll call it, which is what typically happens. We are literally, and, and I'm not overstating this, uh, I'll refer you to my recent white paper on the topic, we are literally saving lives.
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: all of us in the transition community uh, trying to help these folks land appropriately.
1: No, and you absolutely are, because you said about post 9-11, how the numbers have gone up drastically. They've, they've, they've doubled for veteran suicide. So you got to think, you know, something's obviously broken here and that's a a, a major, major portion of it. So how do we fix that? We fix it with these things. And it's just so good to be able to see people, organizations taking the steps forward to be able to fix this as best we can. And, um, you know, I was kind of telling you, I, I really just want to highlight people on here that are helping other people. And. It's good to be able to seeing these organizations do that as well. And it, it's leading us into the next thing. I just I enjoy asking my guests why they like helping people. And I know it's an obvious question, but I ask the question because I want to promote the answer. And I know everybody's going to be a little bit different, have a little bit of similarities. But for you, where does your passion come from for helping people?
0: So I'll speak to my most uh, recent transition, I suppose, and focusing sure. on the civil military gap. You know, when, when I left active duty a long, long time ago, um, there really was no transition assistance program to speak of. We really kind of had to make our own way. And I'm, I wasn't unique. Every veteran in my generation had to do it. Uh, in that vacuum, you know, I kind of created my own process and, you know, build on it over time, knowing that. Uh, others were going through it. I'd reach back individually. And, you know, so over the years, this process further evolved and evolved. And I, all those folks would always reach back and tell me a couple things. Uh, you know, one was a message of gratitude. Thanks for helping. Mm. The other thing was, you know, hey, we really ought to, you really had to find a way to scale this because everybody coming out needs this and they're not kidding. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I come from West Point and as as a freshman there, it's called a plebe, you take an English class. I got a D in plebe English. So (laughs) I thought I had no right to be writing a book. Well, fast forward 20 years and now I've got, you know, blood brothers and sisters coming out that have literally devoted their and their entire, their, their family's entire lives to service to the nation. And frankly, I, despite of all the improvements in, in TAP and all the other support systems, they're still left fitting for themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at your own story, right? Yeah. And so, you know, this is kind of the straw for my story that kind of broke the camel's back and kind of lit, lit the fire uh, to finally take up the advice that you know, they've been giving me for all these years and finally put pen to paper. Because I think I got something that, that works and, you know, I'll let... History and everyone else that's <laughs> sure. reading the book be the be the judge of it, but I I, I think it's a, a good path forward. Uh, so that's in in a nutshell. That's uh, w- what sparked my my current yeah. mission. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the other I think is just the uh, you know I, I keep making reference to my age, but my <laughs> my station in life these days. Uh, you know, again, I'll, I'll credit Tom Rath here and his book, Life's Great Question, but it, there's a great quote in there uh, around, uh, you know, who, who we are and, and uh, what your, your purpose is. And, uh, you know, this kind of relates to a veterans purpose mission and a desire to seek that out on the outside as well. But the, the quote is, your contribution is the sum of what grows when you're gone. Mm. So, what are you doing? Another way to, to say it, you know, Dakota Meyer, his whole thing around owning the dash. So, it, it kind of speaks directly to that. Uh, your value is what you contribute uh, while you're in the dash. Mm-hmm. And so, the, I guess the follow on and, and um, you know, walking that back to helping folks find their their future purpose. Uh, another quote from the Tom Rath book is, you know, the key is to invest more time where your talents will yield the greatest results for others, not necessarily yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So are- again, it's it's that focus that tie, helps you tie into what your personal passions are. And if you can do that, that'll help you tie it into what opportunities actually exist in the real world. And mm-hmm. that, again, circles back to the earlier stats I quoted about. Doubling your earnings, yeah, happiness,
1: and that—that's why I love what you're saying. You're you're saying you know everything ties together, everything circles back together, and I just feel like when you really start working towards one of these things, it tends to seep into the other things, and then like you said, they all start tying together. And I one of the that's all good, but one of the funny things I picked up was that you said I think you said you got like a D in the college class, and you ended up authoring this book. But I think it's funny because we were talking about selling ourselves short in transition. But you, you yourself did it within uh, not thinking you could write the book, and then here you are, literally writing the book on transition. And I just think that in and of itself is is pretty cool that you went and you did do it, and you, you your friends are telling you like you should do this. And yeah, well,
0: there's an interesting lesson there, and I, you know, call it nature versus nurture. And and here I'll pull out the the first leadership principle we're taught in service, which is. You know, know yourself and seek self-improvement. Uh, know yourself is understanding what your nature is. You know, you can sit down, and take a personality test, and it'll it'll tell you in general what your personality is. But there's a whole other part. Uh, again, I'll call it the, the dash or what's left of the dash. That's the nurture. It, you you could settle for what your nature is and just lean and fall back on that. But you've got the rest of your life to nurture and take on you know, whatever you want to feed your head with to uh to move on to whatever the, that future goal is mm-hmm. and you know owning that and uh, as as Dakota would say and uh and living it is is all up to you personal responsibility is key
1: yeah, personal responsibility is absolutely key ownership I know a lot of that comes from military leadership as well speaking of military leadership ownership we all know Jocko is massive on that and uh just taking yeah responsibility what the heck is going on in your life I know that can be tough for some people. So I want to kind of for the uh, little bit remainder we have here, I want to see if there had been anything, uh, especially challenging for you through these uh, transitions that you had. I'm sure there's plenty. But is there anything that maybe stands out to you? And that you could share with us that, you know, what that was? And then how did you overcome that?
0: Yeah, it's a couple things I'll mention, and your your show with Tara Kyle really spoke to this about you know getting kicked down, but uh, keep getting back up. I mean, if nothing if the military taught us nothing else, it's about getting back up. And mm-hmm. you know, a couple mm-hmm. points I'll highlight real quickly. You know, one as of late, <laughs> as it relates to the book, you know, I there I was rejected thirteen times. Uh, from you Gary's go. Publishers There's before <laughs> HarperCollins, you know, bought in and said, okay, we're going to publish you. And, you know, if you, if you listen to authors, <laughs> that that's not an anomaly. So, you know, <laughs> persistence and putting your head down and just pushing through is key. A- another life example I'll throw in there is um, a story from back just before I started having kids and you having a young kid This should resonate <laughs> with you. So I, I just completed a corporate relocation across the country. At my job, I was literally the only manager overseeing all three shifts of seven different product lines at a, at a plant. Uh, so at the time, I was at home sleeping on the floor in my new house. You know, this went on for two, three months until my wife kind of uprooted herself from where she was and moved all the household goods. You know, she was always the trailing spouse uh, across the country to join me. And we had just learned she was pregnant with uh, who was soon to be my oldest son. Well, within a week of her arrival at my location, I was called into HR and told I was going to be let go as part of an organizational wide rift. So here I was, you know, without a job, my wife without a job, you know, she's newly pregnant. Our whole house is surrounded, you know, us in boxes. So, you know, it was a tough time. Uh, stress level was high. But, you know, again, military teaches you uh, to get back up, to have mm-hmm. perspective. And, uh, you know, that that's life. We're all going to run into situations like that time and again. Mm-hmm. What I took away from that, um, I mean, specific to my career is, you know, never to put your eggs in one basket. Nothing lasts forever. Uh, you are expendable. Doesn't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need to look out for yourself, be okay with what you hit. I don't care if you're the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, you're going to get out of the service at some point. Mm-hmm. And even that chairman who has four stars on his or her shoulder, they have plenty of relationships, but those relationships are going to wither in a couple of years. So mm-hmm. they're all going to go through transitions themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's speaking of perspective, that's some pretty good perspective. And I think that's for me, it's helpful because knowing everybody goes through it and there's somebody at every point of the way to be able to ask for help as long as you're able to ask for help. and. Oh, I'm just thinking about the two things you shared with us. One, getting town turned down 13 times. I mean, how many people are gonna? I, I've, I have heard it's a pretty common thing when you're trying to put a book out. But still, like, I think a lot of the things that you shared with us is like, it's easy to talk about now, you know, after it's done. But in the moment, like, that's right. The first time, the second time, the 13th. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you don't know when you're submitting the 13th time that that's going to be the 13th time and that will be the time you don't know that, you know, the ninth time it's just, it's it, right. and, and most when, people it,
0: tell you the same thing, you know, and, uh, you, you know, it's, that's why you get, you got to keep up at the plate, taking swings. Yeah. You know, you, you absolutely, hit you absolutely yeah.
1: do. And then like the whole thing about you shared about your family and, your wife being pregnant, I know how stressful that can be. You're absolutely right. And losing a job. I mean, what do you think in the moment? Like now it's easy to like, you know, coke and joke about it. Like, Oh, that was pretty shitty. But you know, now you're like, or in the moment of what I'm saying, it's hard to grasp the moment and embrace your emotions and try to think rationally in those terrifying times, but it is possible. And that's what I really want to do here is articulate the feasibility and the possibility of of doing these things so i appreciate you sharing all of that with us thank you so much yeah glad to
0: again thanks so much for having me um you know as i've pivoted my career in in recent years i'm i'm here to help and whatever I can do to help close that gap and and help future generations of veterans not have to go through what we've all gone through. And you're absolutely
1: doing it. You're 100% through and through doing it. You wrote the dang book on it. You know, you're speaking about it and you're very, you care very much about it. You're very passionate about it, so. It's incredible and it's inspirational for me on a personal level because that's what I'm trying to do here on a very deep level. So before we get out of here, though, I'd love for people to be able to find you, find your book, uh, website, anything like that. Feel free to share.
0: Yeah, thanks. And uh, so you can find me on the web. Uh, Website is MatthewJLewis.com. Lewis as in St. Louis. And for those that are reading the book, I'd urge you to check it out because a quarter of my original manuscript, 25,000 words, is out there under the resources tab for free. And it it complements the book and the book calls it out from from time to time. But you know, lots of other content. Uh, I mentioned some white papers and other things that you'll find interesting as well.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. You guys will be able to find all of that and more in the show notes, the book, the websites. And I'm even gonna put in the other book in there, Life's Great Question, because that's one of the books I'm gonna now add to my queue. So you just gave me two more. So I really appreciate it. Matt, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Have the best night ever.